walk out of here with some tools to transform your environment the way God has designed you to be light and salt into this earth. That happens tonight. And that's it. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your presence. We lift our hands to you, Lord. We lift our lives to you. Give us your wisdom and revelation, your guidance, your counsel tonight. And we give you all the thanks and praise for hearing ears, eyes of understanding that we prayed over ourselves this morning, that that is our portion. To see, to understand all the power that you have unveiled to us and how the inheritance, your very inheritance is on the inside of the saints and the exceeding greatness of your power that is towards us. How you placed everything under the feet of Christ and made us his body. The fullness of that fulfills all in all. We thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Be seated and get your notebooks out. Um, <clears throat> your iPads, iPhones, whatever it is. So I told you this morning, I'm going to start with a little bit of, of just a little bit of, of recap from this morning, but I'm not spending much time. So it's on uh, for the uh, online at the, at the Facebook website, Facebook site. On the podcast too. So if you missed this morning, you get back in there. I'm going to challenge everybody that for what was shared this morning and tonight, that you begin to disciple yourself uh, in that. And so I'm going to go back just a little bit. I'm going to our text for this entire uh, time together is out of Psalms 82. And so let's go to Psalms 82 and uh, rehearse just to uh, go back over just a couple of things there, starting in verse one. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. Who are the mighty? We are, okay? He judges among the gods. Who is that? What does the word God mean? Everybody, what does it mean? Creator. He judges among the gods. Then he says, how long are you going to judge unjustly? Who's he talking to? Us. How long are you going to accept the persons of the wicked? Verse 3. Who's he talking to? Us. He says, defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the poor and needy, rid them out of the hands of the wicked. So here was the idea was, is we are praying, God help the poor, God help the needy, God help this, God help me, God help me to do this, God help me to do this. And God's saying, you do it. We need to understand the role. What is God's role? What is our role? God has a powerful role. You have a powerful role. He then goes on in verse 6 and says, I have said, you are, everybody, you are gods. You are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But you will die like men and fall like one of the princes. And what he's talking about there is if you don't get this revelation, you don't walk in this, that you will live and die as a mere man. Who wants that? No, I am a... God created me to be a God, to be the, the Hebrew word Elohim, to be a creator. And if I walk in that revelation, uh, it is a difference in the, the poor being rescued, people being uh, delivered, jobs being created, businesses being created, the kingdom of God being expanded or not. Right? And if I don't walk in that revelation, then I will live and die as a mere man, boring. Okay? So we have a decision in front of us that do I walk this out and get this revelation? And this idea that we can pray to God to do the things that we are responsible for, that day is over. 
God is responsible for his side. We are responsible for our side. And that's what we're walking through so that we clearly understand his role and our role. All right? And that's what we're, walk- that's what we're walking through. So then I, we went from there and we went into 1 John. And 1 John talked about three stages of spiritual growth. Okay? Stage one was little children. All right? As little children in Christ, we have the revelation that he is our father. Our sins are forgiven. Fantastic. Wonderful. But if, you, if that's your revelation knowledge and that's where you're at, just understand you're a little child. There's nothing wrong with being a little child except if you just stay as a little child. I remember as nine years old, at nine years old, I went out with my dad. I grew up on a farm, and I went with my dad to go feed hay. And I'm nine years old, and I just thought it was the greatest thing. I have six brothers, so alone time with dad was very rare, okay? And I'm in with him. It's freezing cold, snow everywhere, and we've got to go feed the cattle and break the ice and and have all the fun that comes with that, okay? We go to the, 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 the hay uh, stack, and, and my dad throws his back out. So he can't drive. I have to help him at nine years old to get in the passenger side of the pickup truck, all right? Three-quarter ton, massive, you know, four-wheel drive, and I get over into the driver's seat. And I gotta drive us home in the snow and the mud, all right? And I remember getting up in that, and I had enough space between the steering wheel and the dashboard to see. Okay, been there? Somebody else been there? That's a lot of fun. That's awesome, isn't it? Right? And so here we go. And dad is telling me what to do because there were such huge ruts in the road. And I'm fighting the ruts. And my dad, in the pain that he was in, in his back, is telling me, okay, do this and do this and do this. And I get caught up in these ruts and it throws us into an irrigation ditch. Now, thank goodness there was no water in it. But my dad, in all of his pain, now just got, bam, into a ditch. And he's in pain and agony, but he's laughing at me because of what just happened. It was just funny the way it happened, right? So then dad's telling me, Bill, back up. And, and so I pull the thing back up, and I get back on the road, and I get us back home. All right? Now, that's awesome as a nine-year-old. Now, if I walk out, if I walk out of here t- tonight, and I call dad and go, Dad, I need to drive back to the hotel. And can you, like, give me step-by-step guidance? There's a problem, right? You guys see the picture, right? Okay. There is a time to be a little child. There's a time to embrace those times, but it's time to grow up. Tell the person next to you it's time to grow up. Okay, so then we go into the young adult stage of of our Christian faith, and the young adult, the, the, the young men is the word he uses, the young adult time is when you understand that you have authority over the wicked one. You don't need to be scared of him. He is a, a deadbeat loser who's under your feet. And in the name of Jesus, you cast out devils, right? And I remember the time, the first time I went, and I had to cast out a demon out of this young girl. And you, you're looking in the face, face to face with this little, cute little 12-year-old that one minute it's this little 12-year-old girl, and the next minute her face literally contorts to a demonic face looking at you. And the hair on your back, he stands up, and your arms, and, and all of this type of stuff, and fear is trying to pump in you, but you have a revelation as a young adult in Christ that that sucker is under my feet, and when I say in the name of Jesus, he's got to go. So I did, all right? She's free today, serving the Lord, awesome things happen today. But I look, I was an 18-year-old kid when that first experience uh, happened to me. So these maturity levels in Christ are not about time served in Christianity, it's about you receiving knowledge and receiving revelation and growing up. Tell the person next to you, it's time to grow up. All right, and in each of these stages, we've had incredible revelation, incredible songs, 
But the third level, he says, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that was from the beginning. The connection to being a father, all right, are believers who learn how to create. You are not a father until you have created. All right, I shared on Father's Day, I, I, years and years and years of going to church on Father's Day, and everybody is celebrating fathers. It wasn't until the day that I had created a son that I got to participate in Father's Day. Yes or no, everybody? It's just pretty simple. Fathers create. But the connection, the connection to us as believers understanding how to be creators is directly connected to the knowledge base that comes with understanding the beginning. He that is from the beginning. So look at me, look at me. God said, you are creators. You are little Elohims. He's Elohim with the big E. You're an Elohim with the little E. It means you've got to understand what Elohim did at the beginning to create all of this. If you're going to walk out as a father, you must understand he that was from the beginning. And in the beginning, God, Elohim, in the Hebrew, created the heavens and the earth. You got it? So we went into the fact and reality that on the first day of creation, he said, let there be what? Light. Let there be light. And light was, and he saw that it was good. And that was the first day. When did he create the sun and the moon and the stars? On the fourth day. All right, and I shared that for centuries, people have used that disconnect, if you will, in understanding light to say, oh yeah, see, the Bible is really full of errors. I've had people, people that'll say, the Bible has errors. So you, it's a nice book. It's a good book. You gotta live by it, but don't believe that it's actually the word of God. Why would we be that stupid? Do you see here where it said, the guy who wrote it, there was light created, but it was then three days later that God created the sun and the stars. And they've used that to contradict that God and creation is this invalid idea, whereas the Big Bang and all the, all the stuff with evolution and all of that idea is the, the strongest possi uh, possibility that's out there. Okay? And now, in 1900, in 1900, a man found out that everything, all that we see, all matter, everything that we see is at its core, connected or made out of packets of energy called quanta. Everybody say quanta. So you can say some scientific word, all right? I love it because on the, on the right over here, uh, Michael is saying, okay, so I got this. This is the redneck version of what you just said. And he went, bam, 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 dead on. It was awesome. The redneck version of this. So quanta, guys, is simply packets of energy or packets of light that everything is created out of. So when God created light, right, these packets of energy are light, and that light is simply at a lower frequency, right? We talked about the full gamut of from gamma rays, which is light, that has small frequency and high energy all the way down to the lowest form of light, electromagnetic fields, which we call the what? The zero point field, the zero point energy. And it permeates, so here now, these, uh, these, uh, these quantum physicists are now finding all of this stuff, right, that at the core of all, of all life is this light. 
And depending on the energy in that light, the higher the energy, the higher the matter. If you bring matter or mass down to zero, it's no longer visible here. But what is the power, so the potential of the zero point field? The potential that's in that, if we remember, is the center of our sun times one and 110 zeros behind it. Tell your neighbor that's a whole lot. So even though this energy is low, all right, these electromagnetic waves that are permeate the entire galaxy, everything is, is like in a foam of this, the power of potential that is all around you is so massive. So God creates this energy first, the light of which everything is created from, everything. All that it is missing is we found... Okay, and I'm going to go here real quick. We saw this in school. Energy equals what? Mass times speed of light. We got a young man going over there. Hey, I, I got that. All right, so, so here's the deal. The original one I said was that he wrote was like this. Oops, messed that up. His first white paper on it was to realize that matter or mass, what we see today, is simply an expression of energy. The higher energy comes up, the larger the, 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 the mass of something. When that energy goes down, when it, goes, when it lowers, the, ma the mass of that goes down, and eventually when it's at zero point, it's not visible here. It's not seen. So what did God do to create? First, he said, let there be light. He put light into existence, okay? He set this all up, this entire field. And then what did he do? He spoke to that and he transferred energy into that. And all of a sudden it was at zero point with no matter. And now all of a sudden it comes into, it materializes. We walked into Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. It says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed, and it was framed out of the unseen. Everybody say unseen. Did it say that it was created out of the non-existent? Guys, this is important. Here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to get. You have, based on the promises of the Lord, you have up to 120 trips around the sun that is your life on planet earth 120 most people average much closer to 80 85 trips around the sun the entire time all right the number i've read is that on a daily basis we travel a billion miles why because we're going in a circle around the earth and what is the earth doing the earth is going right you get the picture right traveling these immense times throughout this space that is filled with what? Filled with, filled with what? What did we just cover? All of this potential, right? The energy field is laid for us. God set it in place. It's all around. 
They said that the, the physicists say it's like a foam. You know, if you've ever filled a hole in a wall in your home with that spray-in foam, that it goes in and fills everything, that this, this energy is everywhere. But it's so low, there is nothing materialized from it yet. But what did God do to bring matter out of nothing? What did he do? He spoke. He spoke. All right. So the first thing I've got to understand, the reason why I'm going into some of this is because I want you all to see that believing in Christ, believing in the word, is not some subpar belief that I have to rationalize or talk around in science. No, when I read of science through the filter and understanding of the word, I get the truth. So all of this is simply the way God created what he did to create, and, he's, and if you go to the beginning and get the understanding of how he did it, you will understand why you've created the life you're in right now. You, you did. And how it is that you can bring change to the life that you're living right now. All you have simply done to get to the point you are right now is you have operated in creation. You've operated in creation rules, in creation sequences, day after day, month after month, year after year, and you sit right here and you are living out what you have created. Because you are what? You're creators. You are creators. So now what I'm going to show you is, first of all, how is it that you have been creating and simply change the inputs. And we're going to walk through a very defined process of doing that. May I have a, a racer, please? Thank you. All right, we're going to talk about, I'm going to first draw out the creation sequence, and then we're going to go step by step through each of them, all right, in, in breaking it down. So you're going to have chapter and verse for every single one of these sequences, okay? Um, is it, oh yeah, you got it up there. I was just going to ask if you all can see, and you can. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Here is the creation sequence, all right? I'm going to recommend that this is done first thing in the morning. I personally do it before I get out of bed, or if for some reason, you know how sometimes mornings rush come, I do it through my time of getting ready. In the shower, I go through this creation sequence, all right? I, I visualize, and this is just me, you can use this if you want, I visualize myself getting into a creation pod, right? And I envision, right, I just some, I don't know, I was a Trekkie as a kid. I love Star Trek, so I, I don't know why I use the, the word creation pod. I'm more interested in you understanding the creation sequence, but for me, it helps me to set my mind in place that I get in my creation pod in the morning and Bill Walton is fixing to create, okay? So it helps me to stay focused and then I go through this creation sequence that we're gonna do. I'm gonna lay it all out and then we're gonna go uh, piece by piece through it. So first, all right, I'm gonna begin by praying in the Holy Spirit. So praying in the Holy Spirit is the very opening of the creation sequence. You're going to love this when we get into why that's so critical and so powerful. But I start my creation sequence by beginning to pray in the Spirit. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit here tonight, we will fix that because you're going to want that fixed. Okay? All right. The second, the second piece is I'm going to begin to meditate, begin to think 
very specific thoughts, okay? And there are three surely verses that I use. And we're going to go through each of those and why each of those are important and the pieces that are involved with that, okay? So you're going to get those in a minute. So I begin. I'm praying in the Spirit. I've shared with you before, you do not have to pray in tongues out loud. God does not need volume to hear you. A lot of times I'm laying right there in bed. Natalie is still sleeping, and I am praying in tongues. I pray in tongues about 90% of a day. I'm in business meetings. I'm praying in tongues under my breath. God does not need volume. And you're going to understand why this is so helpful to you uh, um, as we walk through this. So I start with under my breath. It's just quiet. And as I'm praying in the spirit, my thoughts, I begin to intentionally think through these surely verses. Okay. Once I have meditated on that, the third piece of that, the third piece of that is my promised land statement. These two together, I put my imagination onto each of those. All right? And we're going to walk through why that's so powerful. So I imagine, I imagine these verses, and often the Holy Spirit will just illuminate a certain aspect of it, and then I imagine myself walking in that fully. Okay? And we're going to get into why. Fifth part of this. These, these two are often together, but I'm breaking it out. I'm sorry, these two are often together, but I'm breaking it out because I want to I really go into detail on each of those, okay? The fifth one, then, is I speak. I then go through and speak these two, all right? This right here is where I'm using words. This, words, here, thoughts. Okay? Then, the last part of this, the last thing I do, I put my workers to work. Commission angels. Okay? Five, but because I'm separating those, we're going to go through six. You should be able to complete this. You should be able to complete this in 15 minutes. There's times I take longer on that. I want to be more intentional on it. Um, the, the book, Think and Grow Rich, um, Think and Grow Rich takes us to about 30 minutes, on a, uh, 30 minutes on a daily basis. Some of them did it 30 minutes in the morning 30, uh, and 30 minutes at night. Some of it, they did it that way. The key is to understand why each of these are critical. Does anybody have a question at this point about those? I am going to go into detail on each of those, so we're going to get scriptures on each of them, but I want to start out with the, the, the blueprint first. Are we all good? All right, let's go. All right, the Holy Spirit. Why is this so important? I want you to go to Genesis chapter 11, and we're going to go through a couple of these. You've got to move with me and take notes, and then we're going to do some Q&A at the end to help you grasp any of these, so if you have a question... You need to write it down. 
All right, why am I launching by praying in the Holy Spirit? Why would I launch a creation sequence by praying in the Holy Spirit? Okay? There's multiple reasons. One is, is in Genesis chapter 1, when we were reading there on the first day, who was it that was hovering over the whole situation when God created light? Who was the power that brought creation to pass? Come on, louder. The Holy Spirit. So would it make sense that I partner with the Holy Spirit when I am wanting to create in my life? Hello, of course I did. All right, so how do I do that? Verse, uh, Genesis 11 and verse 6, and the Lord said, Behold, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So there's two key verses for this. This part in particular brings out two points. This verse is important for understanding here, imagination, and it's also important to understand this, the whole uh, praying in the Spirit. When God created Adam and Eve, who taught Adam and Eve how to talk? Did you ever think about that? Who? How did they learn to speak? Just like you, from, it, from their parents, and there was, that was God, right? So what was the language spoken up until the time that God disrupted the language in Babel? This was the heavenly language. It was the language of heaven. So when, when God created the heavens and the earth, and then he taught Adam and Eve to talk, he taught them to, to speak in the creator's language. Do you see that, yes or no? Praying in the spirit is praying in the creator's language. They went up until the time of the Tower of Babel, all right, and that's why they said, what did he say? They are all of one language. And they're, so because they're of that one language, what was that language? The creator's language. The language that spoke energy into the zero point that brought matter out of it. Praying in the Holy Spirit pours energy into your future. It pours energy in a very specific way into your life to bring the matter, the material, into existence that you're wanting. Got it? Yes or no? Okay, so a lot, I'm telling you guys, I'm giving this to you. We're going to go bam, 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 because we've got a lot of ground to cover. If you have questions, we'll go back to it. But you need to write these verses down, and you need to go back to it. I grew up in a Pentecostal environment, like I said, and the Holy Spirit was very much uh, mystical. What do I mean by that? It was like you come up front to receive the Holy Spirit, and you would have people grab you and shake you, and everybody was like electrocuted and people rolling on the floor. And I'm not making fun of that because, guys, look, at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit manifests the way he wants to. I've seen people fall down. I've seen people run off the stage, and they're still in midair. I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff. He's God. I'm not making fun of any of that. I'm just telling you that the bad information that was there was that I only, you were only to speak in tongues when the Holy Spirit shook you so hard and then, and here it came out. That's never the way God intended it. Could you imagine Adam and Eve walking around? No, absolutely not. That was never intended to be the way. It is the heavenly language. It is the creator's language. 
So what he did is he came in at Babel and he stopped it because he said, these guys have got the creator language and everything they imagine, whatever they imagine, they are able to do. We're erasing that. It can't happen no more. And that language did not exist on planet Earth again until the day of Pentecost. Did not exist. And since the day of Pentecost, the Creator's language has been here. And Satan has fought that until, and with everything he can. It's not for now. It passed away with the, the, the disciples. Lie after lie after lie after lie. Because when you begin to pray in the Spirit... You are energizing a very specific creation around you. Go to Romans. So, under Holy Spirit, you've got Genesis, right? You guys are with me, right? Taking notes, you're in class. If you want to succeed, you are in class, and you better be taking notes. Because I'm going to be putting a book out on this, but that might take me a while, because i got a lot of stuff going on. Now, it's, it is supposed to be in January is the latest date, but... Romans chapter 8. Let's go to verse 26. <clears throat> Romans 8, 26. So, likewise, the Spirit, he helps our weaknesses. What is our weakness? For we know not what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself, he makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be naturally articulated. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. So here's what the mind of the Spirit is. This is when you're praying in the Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit's mind. This is what he is doing. He is making intercession for us according to what? According to what? And 28 tells us, verse 28 is going to now tell you what is God's will. And we know all things what? Work together for our good, for the good of those that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. When the creator language is flowing out of you, it is bringing energy it pouring energy into God's will, and then God's will begins to become matter all around you. I have been at very well-meaning funerals where something bad happened to somebody, and a good-meaning pastor stands up or leader or whatever and says, well, you know, all things work together for the good of those that love him and called according to his purpose. That word cannot be separated from the two verses before it. It can't. God's will being prayed out in your life is a direct link to allowing the Holy Spirit to intercede for you, which is directly connected to praying in the Spirit. When I pray in the Spirit, I am pouring energy into God's perfect will into my life, and God's will is that all things work together for my good. Do I know all of God's will? Do I know everything that is going to happen in my life? Do I have all of the specific details from today to the end of my life? I don't, but who does? So in your greatest 
all of these guys out there that are, that are talking about energy and all the new age stuff and all of that type of stuff, they don't have what we have. We have an unfair advantage, and his name is the Holy Spirit. And when you pray in tongues, when you pray in the Spirit, you are bringing energy to God's will to take place in and around your life. I had a, a, a situation that, that kind of exemplified this, and I was woke up one morning uh, very early. It was around, actually, it was around midnight to pray for my brother. And I've shared this before with you, and I'm going to just repeat it because it's important. I'm woke up by the Holy Spirit. I need you to pray. And here's what you'll sense. Sometimes you'll sense that just something's not quite right. You have that sense to you. You just know something's not quite right. When you sense that, pray in the Spirit. And you pray in the Spirit until that sense goes away. Because that is his way of telling you, I need you to pray out my will into a situation. Okay? It's simple, guys. It's that easy. You have a partner that is the Holy Spirit, that is the power of the Trinity, that is the power that created the heavens and the earth, and he lives on the inside of you. Right? So as I prayed in the Holy Spirit, I knew it was about my brother Bob. I prayed until I sensed this peace, and I went back to bed. The next morning, I hear him and a couple of my other brothers. I have six of them, as I've said, so it was common to hear several of them talking, and I go out there, and, and it's my brother Bob. He's all excited, and he's going on and on and on and on, and I, so I went in there, and I said, Bob, what happened last night at midnight? And he looks at me white as a ghost. Him nor any of my brothers were serving the Lord at that time, and I told him, the Lord woke me up to pray for you. What, what was going on? And he told me that he had gotten to a situation where he came across a, a train crossing, and the car that was in front of them had gotten over too far because they were drunk and got high-centered. So they get out, they begin to pull everybody out, they're trying to help get this car off, the lights go off, ding, 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 which means you got about 45 seconds before the train comes. My brother, they pull everybody out, he turns around and his best friend had jumped back in the car and was now trying to get that, that, that car unstuck, okay? Bob runs up to him and tells him, Randy, the train is there, and he turns around and he jumps. Train hit the car, blew it into a, a million pieces, the strange thing to them that they couldn't figure out was not only was my brother Bob not hit by any of the debris flying out, but the guy who was in, so here's the passenger side, I'm, the, I'm sorry, the driver's side, the train hit it from this side, he is standing on this side of the car untouched, okay? So get this, praying in the Holy Spirit bypasses all the laws of physics, all the laws of everything. You tap into a creative energy that goes way beyond anything else that the world can ever, ever, ever try to replicate. Ever. So you want to know how, how to have the unfair advantage in every situation? Learn to pray in the Spirit a lot. So when I start my day, he, my partner, the Holy Spirit, the creative force of God, is who I start my day off with. And I partner with him throughout the day. He is my guide. He is my comforter. He is my everything. All right? The word helper here, I'm going to give you a quick de definition just to show and highlight when it says here, he helps our weaknesses. The Greek word for this, and I know you guys have heard this because I've heard your pastor standing right here teaching this to you all. Um, I say you all always like a lot more when I'm here, don't I? Did you notice that? Is it just the, it's the climate. I love it, man. I'm at home. All right, so, 
So this is a very small Greek word, synanti lambonamai. Strong's number is 4878. Write it down. You can go look it up. Here's the bottom line. It's made of three Greek words. The first one is sin, which we, S-Y-N, not S-I-N. S-Y-N, which means to be in synchronicity. I am, I'm synonymous. I am one, okay? The Holy Spirit, when he helps us, he's not doing it from outside. He's doing it with you, synchronized with you, pulling with you. The second word is the word anti, A-N-T-I, all right? And that one has to do with I'm either going to go against something or I'm in complete corresponding connectivity. So sin synonymously anti against something, right? Together, all right? If you imagine any of you guys, did any of you uh, play football, all right? Okay? So I was, I, I, my school is very tiny, so it was only at junior high I got to play a little bit of, of football, but I played a lot of basketball, right? And on a team, right, the team, you sometimes, I mean, you're going to connect together, close in to, to do something together, okay? This is, this is not even close to what the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is in you. He becomes together, pulling with you. You are not alone in trying to create God's best for your life. You have the Holy Spirit who is together with you. He even says it that he's synonymous with you. When he says he helps you, he's not tapping you on the head going, good luck, son. Good luck, daughter. No, he's locking together with you. And the last word, the, the Greek word is from lambano, which is to aggressively lay hold. So what is the Holy Spirit doing in your life to help you create God's perfect will in your life? He is aggressively laying hold together with you to create God's perfect will in your life. You are not alone. How many of you have your prayer language? Raise your hand. Okay, a good number, a good number of you, all right? And like I said, the ones that don't, we'll take care of that at the end of the service. Here's the thing I see with most Christians, though, all right? One, let me just dive into this a little bit. People have so overcomplicated praying in tongues. They've so made this so difficult and so ridiculous. All right, Natalie, greet everybody in French, would you please? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Just, just throw out a bunch of French words. Okay, did you guys hear her? Not really. You have to say it louder. Just, just holler it out, all right? Because this is going to help you. I, I, want you to, I, want you to, I want you to get this. First of all, it's really cool. I love listening to her speak in French. Check, check. Ooh la la. Whatever you say, say nice things about me. Bonsoir tout le monde. Comment ça va? Perfect. Doesn't that just sound cool? All right, so she spoke a language. How, who, who in here understood what she said? Everything. Ooh, très bien. Who else? Somebody else raise their hand? Oh, yeah, because you got all the language stuff. I know you. All right, and then, oh, yeah, another one back here. All right, raise your hand if you didn't understand what she said. Okay. Bonsoir tout le monde. It's hello to all of the people. And she proud of me that I know a little bit of French. <laughs> it's only taken me 23 years, but... So, so I didn't understand that, right? A lot of you didn't understand that because why? It was a different language. So the creator that created the heavens and the earth, everybody spoke his language up until the time of, of Babel. 
And he pulled it away from them because they were all evil and all they wanted to do is create a bunch of evil stuff so he confused all their languages. He said, you're not using my creator language anymore. It's now I'm taking it away. And the day of Pentecost, he gave it back to the Holy Spirit. What's so hard to understand about that? And we overcomplicate this. We so overcomplicate this. And, and, and it stretches people in their belief, right? So, so let me help you. How many of you believe that Jesus was born about 2,000 years ago? Raise your hand. I need everybody to volunteer. If you truly believe, I need your hands up, okay? Hold those hands up if you truly believe he was born, born of a virgin. Okay, I still have most of your hands up. How many of you believe he died on a cross? How many of you believe that three days later he rose from the dead? How many of you believe that you're going to die and go to heaven someday? Okay, we're excited about that. All right, now put your hands down and stay with me. Is that the most ridiculous set of beliefs you've ever heard in your whole life? Ever. Do you see how, how we'll go all the way to ridiculous? I mean, really, a woman who never had sex gave birth to a guy, and then that guy died, and three days later he rose again, and then he went to heaven, and he's seated by God in the right hand, and none of this, by the way, any of us have seen, but we're going to stop at, oh, praying in God's language. Oh, my gosh, that's, that's what's ridiculous out of this belief set we have. That is what's ridiculous. All this other stuff, ah, that's normal to believe all of that. We're going to stop, though, in the fact that God's going to give you his language back because you're his child. Yeah or no? Why stop at craziness? Let's go all the way. Why stop somewhere along the path of insanity? But why? Why do you think that line has been drawn so harshly and so strong? They used to persecute people, murder them over it, laugh at them. You're a tongue talker, really? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're not? Man, you're missing out on creator's language. Okay? So don't overcomplicate it. We lay hands on you just like the disciples did. The Holy Spirit comes on you, and just like Natalie, from one side of her understanding, she speaks French. Then she'll swing over here, and then she speaks English, and then she can go into German sometimes, and now she's getting into Spanish, right? And so she's got all of this stuff up there and goes back between all of them. I'm still doing good to speak English, okay? Where does tongues come from? Holy Spirit gives these words, their words come up to your understanding, you're the one that speaks it. That's it. It's not complicated. It's simple as can be. And as you develop that, you need to understand what you're doing. Uh, John chapter seven. I know I'm spending a little more time here because this is a very, this one is a big one, I believe. Well, all of them are. John seven. I keep wanting to go to this and it just, it's so much easier in my phone now. John chapter 7, this is the last verse on this, verse 35, <clears throat> I'm sorry, verse 38, John 7, 38, Jesus said this, he that believes on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. 
Verse 39, but this he spoke, this he spoke of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost had not yet be, been given. All right? So what, verse 38, what is it that takes place when I cooperate with the Holy Spirit when I pray in other tongues? What happens? Out of my belly flows what? Rivers of living water. All right, so write living down in your notes under number one, John 7, 38 and 39, living waters, okay? Next to the word living, I want you to put Z-O-E, okay, zoe, all right? Because this word is actually zoe, okay, which comes from, it almost sounds exactly the same, but it all comes from Zoe, which means God's life, all right? Here's the the thing. Farmers, how many farmers do I have in here? Or you spent some time farming, all right? You put an apple seed in the ground, and what grows? Shocking, right? Because the apple seed has apple life in it, and apple life produces apples. It's set in place, all right? So God, in his, when you pray in the Spirit, you are pouring the strongest of energy onto what you want to come alive, what you want to materialize. So when I pray in the Spirit over my life, when I pray through this this sequence that I'm talking about right here, I'm pouring living water on God's perfect will to take place. And it then goes from zero point no, no material to it. I then energize that. I put energy to it, right? And when I put energy back to the matter equals energy, right? Okay, when I pour energy, that has to, that has to materialize. I want you to say this, Holy Spirit. You are talking to him right now. Say, Holy Spirit, you are my partner in creation, I want you to let that soak in a little bit. Let's sit here and soak a little bit on what we just learned right there. Here you have all of the potential around you, the power, the possibility around you that is so loaded with the energy, with, with, it is so loaded with potential. This sea of light that God put in place in Genesis 1.1. And what God did is he spoke to it. He put energy into it and out of it materialized. And here that same sea of unending, unending potential is all around you. And the Holy Spirit is right there with you to bring that to life. Do we see it? Yes or no? If you have questions, I want you to write it down. When we do Q&A, we'll circle back to it. But I think you got the point. Visualize what I do the moment when I start praying in the spirit, I'm envisioning life. I'm envisioning God's energy, his life-giving, energy-giving water being poured on God's perfect plan for my life. And oh my goodness, does that start your day out very, very different. Second one, and I, here's, here's what I want. I want to stop for a minute and I'm going to take a step back. There is a, an article that was written about this this idea that we're talking about, about energizing the things around you. And the point I, why I'm stopping for a moment is because I want you to truly grasp the reality that you have. I know I've said it a couple times, but I really want you to get this. You have created what you're living right now. 
you have. And the statistics are is about 95% of what you are living as it relates to your entire world and surrounding is a result of the programming that was put in you, most of which was done by the time you were seven years old. Hardwired. Very much at se- uh, pre-seven, you are operating, you are not operating in conscious, you're operating in your subconscious. Write this stuff down. I know some of this stuff I'm throwing at you, but you gotta get it. Because the bottom line is this. Most of us, the way you think about money, the way you think about relationships, the way you think about work, the way you think about all of the stuff around you was put and programmed into you because up until the time you're seven, you're like a brand new computer. And what you're looking for is give me data. Teach me how to survive in this new world. Teach me how to talk. Teach me what's normal. Teach me everything. And you are in a, in a subconscious standpoint up until the time around seven and then you become conscious. And the subconscious is literally like a computer. What are the, what's the hardware on it for it to operate? And in the background of your existence, you are operating in all of those programs. And you're in a fallen world, so 70% of those programs are negative. Are contrary to life, good life. So when you understand that, you might say, okay, well, Bill, tell me, what are those bad programs? How do I find it out? Take your life, every part of the aspect of every part of your life right now, and print it off. Do a printout. That printout is simply a reflection of what those programs are. What is it that you have created? Relationally, work, finances, health, all of it. What is it that you have created? And by that, you can look at and find and determine which are the bad programs. Where's the areas? I'm always, it seems like uh, relational. Let's talk about that for a minute. It seems like every three to six months, I have to have a blow up in my relationship. How many of you know or yourself, you've, ex- you've experienced something like that? People just are in this cycle, right? Often what they find out, you find out when you dig into it, you go back into their childhood and there was explosions that took place around them because here's what it does. It releases all these endorphins. It releases all of this type of stuff. And so you've been programmed to create drama because drama is fun. Even though you don't really want that drama, you're addicted to the drama. So you actually create the drama. This subconscious programming. And then the program is to fix it, make up real nice, do all that stuff. And as soon as I get back to my life, it kind of just gets humdrum. I've got to have another explosion. I'm just picking on one of them, right? Programs, okay? Programs that have built. And the reason why I'm saying this is because you have energized your existence. These rules, this, what, I'm cha- what I'm teaching you here is simply replacing what you're doing. Because most of us do this first thing in the morning become aware. My brain wakes up. I come out of the lowest frequency of my brain, which is deep sleep. I come up through theta, right? And then all of a sudden I come into conscious, okay? And then I'm alert, I'm aware. And what does your brain usually do? Most people go to what? Worry. What, is, what do they say? I missed that. Ah, yeah. Man, my bladder's got to be emptied, Okay. <laughs> First place I go. And we begin to go into our subconscious programming, right? We begin to go into, for me, I was, I was El Presidente of the Worry Club. I would begin to think about my day. I'd begin to think about some conflict I would have or I was in. 
And you know what? If today they say this, then I'm going to say that. And if they, well, you know what? And then if they say that, I'm going to say this. And then, by, I mean, I'm not five, ten minutes into the day, and I'm all fired up. Anybody else going to be in this admitting club with me? Okay, and we go through the worst case scenario and we worry and we fear and we we go into this turmoil and we're programmed in this, right? And here's what I'm doing. This paper that was written about this said this, and he was talking about the zero point energy. When you, when you, you can actually put little probes on the head, on a head, on the person's head, and it will show you the frequencies that your brain is producing. Yes or no? Do we all agree with that, right? That's common knowledge. Your thoughts are producing energy. Yes or no? Right? We have some people in the medical world. Put that some probes on your head, right? And if someone's brain dead, the thing's like, Ooh. right? Maybe sometimes some of you are close, but all right, we're not going there. I'm kidding. That was bad. That was bad. Right? So, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm throwing out frequency. I'm throwing out energy. Tell the person next to you, you're throwing out energy. And I'm going to tell you, you throw out energy 24 hours a day. Right? Your, uh, even your heart has a, oh, help me with this, has a field, okay, electromagnetic field. It's one of the strongest fields, and they are able to see that now, and I think it actually goes out like eight to 10 feet in front of you, right? This electromagnetic field, all right? I'm, I'm just making this stuff up, guys. This is, all, this is all part of it. So here I am, this um, energy producer, all right? How many of you uh, watched The Matrix, okay? Ooh, I love that movie. I remember just watching that movie going, man, there's so much truth to that. And that was before I even learned this. They're tying them all up. And this energy that people were producing with these, guys, these, all these computer thingy dillies, we're living off of it. Okay? You are this mass energy producer. Okay? So in your brain, if you put probes on it, your thoughts are constantly producing energy. Zero point field is needing what to become materialized? Okay, three of you. All of the possibility, this huge sea of endless probability and possibility that God put in place in Genesis 1-1 is needing what to materialize? All it is is absent of energy. And energy, when energy goes up, it equals mass so this guy, he's not even a Christian, wrote this paper, and this was the start of this paper. He said, if energy equals matter, I want you to write this down. I actually want you to write this down this is going, because this is going to lead into these pieces right here. This is really important. If energy equals matter and thought equals energy, then thoughts equal matter. Sila. Stop and think about that for a moment. Let it soak in. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, I am teaching you to create. And step one is to teach you what not to create. You have been creating. This is a simple transition from I've been creating this 
to now begin to create what God wants for your life. You have been creating, most often, a worst-case scenario in your life. Why? Energy equals matter. Thought equals energy. Therefore, thought equals matter. Sounds like a verse in Proverbs that we read today. What was it? As a man, so is he. Wow, could it be true that the Bible is true? Of course it is, and we know that. So why am I bringing that up? You need to stop that nonsense in the morning. Did you hear what Bill Walton just told you? You need to stop that nonsense in the morning. You are a creator. Stop acting like a jackass. Did I say that? I'm sorry. Please don't leave, all right? My dad would, my dad would substitute and he'd say, you bunch of jack onkies. Like threw the donkey in there instead of that. Well, why am I using that word? Because what is a jackass? Is this stubborn, I'm gonna keep going this way and I'm gonna keep doing this. Any of you ever worked with a donkey? Have you ever, anybody ever worked with them? They're just not fun, are they? They're a mess. And I use that word purposely for this because we keep create, we have keep, we create and we keep creating and we keep creating and we keep doing the same thing and we keep doing the same thing like a stubborn mule. There, I'll change the word. Y'all feel better about that. We want a different outcome, but we don't want to change what we're doing. And it is time, everyone, for you to accept the reality that God created you to be a creator. And guess what? You've been creating this whole time. And you just didn't know it. Step one is to step up to the plate and realize I have been creating this. And as of tonight, I am changing the outcome. I'm changing it. So here's the process for me. For, for me, the, the El Presidente of the Worry Club, okay, I have to, and, and Natalie, she even, like she says, in first thing in the morning, she is like internally, she's like, was it stop it? But no, because the first thoughts that start wanting to come into her are the old patterns that she had lived in for decades, and it wants to be there present with you in the morning because that's what you've been programmed to do. You are running a creation sequence all day long. So the first thing in the morning, that typical behavior of getting up and getting the day going and thinking that it doesn't matter what goes on up here. We think that somehow this doesn't matter, this matters a little bit more, but actions are really what mean something. Yes or no? If I really truly understand that thoughts equal matter, isn't it time for me to change what I'm thinking? Let's go to Philippians. Y'all know where I'm going. And this, guys, this is all under these. So stay with me, okay? Philippians chapter four. We're gonna start in verse six. It says to be anxious, fearful, or fretful, in the Amplified, for nothing. Why do you think God cares if you worry? Because of what? What are you doing? Worry warts. 
used to carry it as a badge of courage, moms. I'm just a worrying mom. You're creating a mess. Stop it. Hey, look, guys, I can talk like this because I, I've been there. I had the Lord tell me, like screaming in my spirit, Bill, stop worrying. And in my mind, I'm going, okay, I know that he says he doesn't want me to worry, but that, okay, worry, you know, that's not like I'm committing adultery. That's the bad one, like I talked about this morning, right? Hierarchy. But who are the first people thrown into the lake of fire? Who? The fearful. Why would that be? Fear is you creating the worst case scenario around your life. And then what we do is that's being combated somewhat by if you pray in the spirit sometimes or speaking the word. So I'm creating and then I'm creating this and then I create that and I create this and I end up with this hodgepodge mess of life. Some good, some bad, some ugly, some not so ugly, all in my life. And then you say, c'est la vie. That's just life. It's hodgepodge of mess. You see this, yes or no? You see this, yes or no? So here's what he says. So don't be worried for anything, but instead, pray. Wow. With prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Now, verse eight, this is the fun one. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Is that up there? Whatever things are true, whichever things are louder, whichever things are, whatever things are, whatever things are, whatever things are, next verse, whatever things are of good report, if there be any, oh, pastor, did you catch that? baby. I didn't see that till right now. If there be, <laughs> that's why I always love teaching, man, because I learned some good stuff. If there be any virtue, if there be anything praiseworthy, meditate, think on these things. Now, how many of you will be honest with me that I read that and go, well, it's a great goal. Wouldn't it be just nice that I always think about lovely things and Oh, isn't that wonderful that God just wants me operating in peace and love? And Yes or no? Right? Let's just be real. That's exactly what I did. People would read that and I'd go, eh, yeah, that's nice. But as long as I'm not committing adultery, I'm all right. Got the big sins and then I got that. What is he telling me? Why is he saying, what, look, guys, if there's any good, if there's any of those things, think on those things. Now, let's go to that word virtue. Would you pull that back up? Because, Pastor, I'm going <laughs> to. I love this stuff. If you all would have been in our first meeting when we sat there and couldn't pay our bills, and if you followed us around for a month now, you'd see the difference. You'd understand why I'm so excited. My life is completely, completely changed and different and empowered because of these things. All right? That's why I'm fired up. All right. If there be any virtue, okay? Now, one of the things that Pastor was talking about was that that Greek word there, and we were talking about it in the idea when Jesus was 
was the, the, the woman with the issue of blood reached and touched him and virtue came out. It's the Greek word what? Dunamis, power. So if there be anything that has power, theos, God's power, think on these things. Why? Because you are energizing them. You're pouring energy on the zero point and bringing matter to existence all around you. If you could see, think about, I want you to stop, close your eyes for a minute, pull yourself up to God's level of standing in the congregation of the mighty, him judging among the gods, and look at yourself the way God sees you as this incredible creator that everything that your thoughts, your words, all of this is creating, pouring energy into the zero point field and creating all around you that's the way he sees you. And that's why he's imploring you. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Mamas, I get it. My mom had seven of us boys. I get it. And your brain wants to go there. Don't. Don't do it. All right. Let's go into, let's go into these Shirley verses. Did you see that? Yes or no? I want you to say this. I want you to tell the person next to you, say, your thoughts create. Tell the person on the other side, your thoughts create. Now tell yourself, my thoughts create. Say it again, my thoughts create. Louder, my thoughts create. All right, so here God didn't just say, hey, don't be a worrier. He didn't just stop at that. He told you how to proactively create what you want to get. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. So let's go on to some things that I love to think about. There are three Shirley's. I told Natalie, I was like, I want to find some cool way of helping people to remember it. So do I call it like the, the Shirley triplets? And she goes, oh, that's so bad. Don't do that. You know, and then I wanted to, any of you ever watch Airplane? You know, the guy gets up there and he goes like, well, surely someone can fly this plane and I, I'm probably messing it up. And he goes, no, nobody can. And don't call me. I don't know why I think that's so funny. Let's give you like a little glimpse into something's wrong with me. All right. <laughs> So, so what, he's, what these Shirley verses, though, is this is when God is punctuating that this is your reality. Shirley. He's like, you, he could not use stronger words. Shirley, all right? So we're going to go into a couple of them, all right? And these I rotate through, but I will tell you, I'm going to tell you the one I spend the majority of the time on, all right? So I'm going to start with a couple of the ancillary ones, the outside ones, and, and just give them to you. Psalms 23, Okay. And you that know that by heart, you're going to know what I'm going to say. What is it? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right? Who, who, who has the, uh, which verse that is? It's, it's the, at the end of it. Psalms 23. I want you to write this down is why I'm, I'm, I'm going there. Okay? Uh, verse 6. Okay, verse 6. So write it down. Write it down, and you need to pull this into your meditation in the morning. Now, I want you to stop, and I want you to just park your brain for a moment, and I want you to follow through with the way I do this, all right? So I am, first thing in the morning, praying in the Spirit. What am I doing? Pouring energy on what? 
Okay, I'm pouring on the zero point field, but what am I pouring? When I pray in the spirit, I'm praying God's perfect. I am bringing energy to what? God's will. I am creating, I am partnering with the Holy Spirit to create God's will. And I know that all things work together for me, right? So first thing in the morning, man, I am turning on the power of creation, turning that baby on, right? Now, while I'm praying in the spirit, and I want you to do it right now. You did have your prayer language, just go. And I promise you, some of you who haven't got your prayer language, you could just start right now. You could just accept it right now and just start going and join the club. All right, so here you go. As you're praying, I want you praying under your breath, though. You just pray quietly, okay? With your eyes open, just keep going. Now, I want you to practice this. Practice in your mind right now as you're praying in tongues, thinking, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, man. Right? All right, so. Keep going. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you think that, what energy do you begin to get in, your, in you? All right. We're going to contrast this with Bill Walton's used to pattern of waking up and thinking about all the worst case scenarios. And then that guy's going to say this, and this person's going to call me. And if he does that, then I'm doing this. And blah, 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 blah. And by the time I get to work, I'm all fired up, stressed out, all that nonsense, right? Okay. Now, some of you may not have been that bad. Some of you might just be pure, peaceful people, and you just hadn't been thinking anything. You just wake up in the morning and, right? Your wife goes, what are you thinking about? And you say, nothing. And it's most of the time true, right? It's just true. I ain't nothing going on up there. I'm just like, I'm just here, right? Well, if I'm thinking about nothing, what am I creating? Thank you, right? So wherever you're at, if you're coming on the bad side, let's go to the good side. And if you're in the neutral nothing zone, let's get this sucker in gear, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. He said you don't have to do anything just to get weeds, right? Just leave the place alone. Yeah, exactly. So here's, here's the thing. Surely my thoughts create, right? So what am I saying? Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. All right. Goodness and mercy. Right, so for you this morning, we talked a little bit, those of you that have messed up in your life, you've made some bad decisions, you've gone some wrong ways. You know what mercy is? The Bible says I'm to come boldly before the throne of grace to find mercy and help in time of need. Mercy means this, write it down next to mercy. Mercy, this is the definition. The complete removal of all consequences of sin. That is the definition of mercy. It's not just I'm not giving you what you should get, I'm giving you mercy. When God says mercy, it is the complete removal of all consequences of sin. So when I walk boldly into the throne and I've messed up, how many of you messed up? God didn't say come in like a weak worm and crawling on your face, it's me again, God, Mr. Screw-up right here, right? That's not what I'm allowed to say. I have to say what he said, and he said come boldly into the throne and get mercy, the complete removal of all consequences of sin. So when I go through this process first thing in the morning, surely goodness, oh, all kinds of good. I am surrounded with good. Goodness and mercy. 
even the times I have messed up, I have complete removal of all consequences of sin. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know what that means? Is when this sucker is all said and done, I am still in his house. It doesn't matter what goes down. I am living in eternity with my father. All right, it sets a peace to your day. It sets a stability to your day. It sets an energy out there that goodness and mercy is what you live in. All right, so the next one, let's go to the next one, uh, which, is, which is one that, that I have just recently really started to, to put in place, which is Romans, <clears throat> sorry, Matthew 8 and 17. I've kind of gone in and out of it, but I've become a lot more proactive of it because it's an area that I really needed to work on. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 17 all right, in, uh, this is a, a verse out of Isaiah is where the surely comes from. So you just bear with me because I'm going <clears> to <throat> cut to it. So in, the, in, the, in, in Isaiah, when it's talking about prophesying, it says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You guys all with me on that verse? So Matthew 8, 17 is the Greek version of that and the fulfillment of it. It says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So in the morning, as I begin to meditate, I go through that surely goodness and mercy. I'm praying in the spirit. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then I'll go into surely he has took my infirmities and he bore my sicknesses. So you know what? They've proved, they've, they've said a lot that a lot of sickness is just simply linked to your mind and your thoughts. All right. And we now know I am putting energy into that when I, and people get sick and then what they do is they live in that existence. They speak it, they think it, they worry about it, and it self-perpetuates and self-creates the rest of their life forward. And that sickness becomes then chronic, right? Versus like what you're doing on a daily basis now is beginning to create a different existence, right? I'm pouring energy, I'm pouring energy on what the Lord said. Surely he has borne my sicknesses and he has carried my infirmities, right? And I begin to build that out in my life. And for me, I'm just testifying here. For me, that's an area that I really need a lot of work on. All right, we got to keep moving here. Um, I, I am, I've got a couple more pieces that I'm gonna, we're gonna knock through them, all right? So the next one here is in Hebrews. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter six. Hebrews chapter six. And if you all are with me, you, if you're fine to stay, but I am trying to honor time here. I don't even know what time you all end on a Sunday night. If you, I, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna knock through this stuff, all right? All right, until I'm done, I appreciate that um, because you could be here a while. But I'm, I am gonna, I'm gonna go through this, right? Because I want us to wrap up with us being able to walk through this, all right? All right, verse 12 says, uh, all right, no, 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 I wanna start in 11. I wanna start in 11, and if you could put on the Amplified up there, would you be able to do that, put the Amplified up there? It's kind of helpful for us to walk through this uh, together. Is that, is that doable? Thank you. We strongly and earnestly desire for each of you to show the same diligence and sincerity all the way through in realizing and enjoying the full assurance and development of your hope until the end. All right. I, I taught this the last time. I'm going to, I know your pastor, you're both your pastors. I've heard them both teach on this uh, on your Facebook live page. And what, how many of you remember what the, what the word hope in the Greek actually means? Confident expectation. It is a fruit of your mind, right? Right? It's, a, it's what you are confidently expecting. So 
this part that I'm talking about, this set of surely, this promise that we're going to get to, is to rewire what you are confidently expecting to take place in your life. So what he says here is in that verse, if you'll put it back up here, that I'm wanting you all to strongly and earnestly desire, he's desiring for each of you to show diligence and sincerity all the way through in realizing and enjoying the full assurance and development. Everybody say development. Of your confident expectation. All right, so tell the person next to you, you need to develop your confident expectation. All right, now let's go to the next verse. Stay with me. In order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritually lazy, if I do not develop my confident expectation, I become disinterested in this whole God thing, I become disinterested in this promise thing of God, and I become spiritually lazy. Tell the person next to you, don't be lazy. All right, so what this part here, what I'm doing in this, this surely that we're going to get to is I'm developing my confident expectation. I am developing it because I have to be proactive in developing it the right way. Because believe it or not, you have a confident expectation right now, and you're living it. You have what you confidently expect. Most of you, you confidently expect you're going to make X amount this year. It's what you hit. You know, most salespeople, if they have a, an expectation of hitting a, a level of income and they hit it in the first six months, the next six months, they just fall apart. Because they hit their what? Their expectation. All right? Now, uh, go, go forward in this verse. In order that you become, but instead be imitators behaving like those who through faith by leaning on their, by leaning of the entire personality of God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom and goodness, and by practice of patient endurance and waiting are inheriting the promises. The King James says this, be, become an imitator of those that through pa faith and patience obtain the promise. Obtain it, all right? So if I develop my confident expectation, I become an imitator of those that effectively grasp and get their promise, if I don't develop my confident expectation, I will not, who through faith and patience, obtain the promise. Do you see that, yes or no? So confident expectation, that mindset, getting my mind right is what allows me to, through faith and patience, obtain the promise. Now let's go to what the promise is, all right? What is it that he told Abraham, verse 13, for when God made the promise, I switched to King James, for when God made the promise to Abraham, he swore an oath by himself, since he had no one greater to whom he swore, saying, I surely, I will bless you, and I will surely multiply you. I surely, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. Here is where I meditate on that verse. That's the one, that's my go-to. That's probably 90 plus percent of the time. Because this, this particular verse is given to develop your confident expectation. So here's what it looks like. When I get to that point, I, in my mind, I am thinking proactively, surely blessing. Praying in the Spirit, right? You all with me? Surely blessing. Do it right now. Praying in the Spirit. Surely blessing. I will bless you. That's God himself saying, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. Surely Blessing, I will bless you. 
It is what God inserted into Abraham to keep him for 25 years while he was waiting for the promise of his son Isaac. To keep his confident expectation high was the blessing of the Lord. Now, link to that. In your verse, link Deuteronomy 28. I'm giving, I know I'm, I'm expanding this for you guys because Deuteronomy 28 is the blessing of the Lord. It's what it means when he said, surely blessing, I will bless you. Well, what does that look like? It's not that you sneezed and God said, bless you. That's not what he's talking about, right? What is he saying? I will make you the head and not the tail. I'm gonna make you above only and never beneath. Now, okay, here's what I want you to do. When you are thinking that part, and once again, guys, I'm telling you, this whole thing can be accomplished in 15, 20 minutes. I will go in my mind and I will think. Thoughts. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and I'm never beneath. My businesses are at the top the top. I'm the head and not the tail in my relationships. I'm above only and never beneath. I am a lender and not a borrower. Now, when I first started doing that, I didn't have two cents to lend to nobody. But what did I begin to do? Pour energy on what I wanted to materialize. I now have an accounting department that has to keep track of multiple loans. I, I don't even, I, I can't, I'm not even doing all that. My accounting department is keeping track of what loans are to where and to who and what payments and all of that stuff are done. Through our investment company, we have loans to multiple companies and, and projects and all of that type of stuff. A lend, I am a lender and not a borrower. And the first time I did this, I was driving down. Y'all remember the vision of the angels, Right? Right? And the Lord told me every day to begin to speak Deuteronomy 28 over my life, family, and business. I didn't know what I was doing. He did. Bill, you're a creator. Get to creating. And so by faith, I'm sitting in the truck that my in-laws paid, bought for me because they felt sorry for me. It is 82 white Chevy that was just a clunker. And I'm driving on this dirt road and I'm saying, I am the head, not the tail. I am above only and never beneath. I will lend and not borrow. My businesses are blessed. And I am, what am I doing? Pouring energy into the zero point that now is materializing. I was talking through this with my son, Mikey, who's watching uh, from Colorado right now. And I was talking through this idea and we're sitting in our home in Colorado, de debt free and, and I, all these businesses and everything. I said, Mikey, you don't, you, this is what brought us to this. This home materialized because of the energy that we poured on it years and years ago. The businesses that we have, they materialized because we poured energy. I am a lender now because I poured energy on it. Do you see that, yes or no? So when you say, surely, blessing, he will bless me. That's not going bless you after you sneeze. It is a power. The word blessed means to have power, to prosper. He cloaks you with this power for you to prosper. And it says whatever you put your hand to, he will multiply it and prosper it. Do you see it, yes or no? So here's what I do. I meditate on that. And usually I'll pick one of those, one of those that stand out of the blessing of the Lord. Lender, not a borrower, or whatever I put my hand to, he multiplies and he prospers it. And I put energy to that thought. I personalize it. I, in my head, I'm saying I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and I am never beneath. Now, what am I doing? Thoughts do what? Create. Do you see that? Yes or no? All right. So we got the three Shirley's. 
All right? The triple Shirley's, the whatever you want. <laughs> She's still shaking her head no. All right? Now, this promised land, this promised land, I want you to do this. The promised land statement is a vision statement of your life that you want to see happen in your life. All right? This is important. I know there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of different uh, teachings on this type of thing. I love what I hear what your church is doing in teaching these type of things. But what it is, is me writing out, this comes out of Think and Grow Rich, all right? Um, I would highly recommend that you read at least the first three chapters. There's good stuff all through, but the first three has a lot of this stuff built into it. And part of it is they studied these 50 very influential leaders in the financial world. These are credited for taking us out of the Great Depression and building and building the, the powerhouse that is the U.S. economy was built off of their foundation. These are men like Rockefeller, who was a phenomenal believer and built a massive empire. He created it out of nothing. There was nothing there, and he brought the energy that brought this incredible multi-billion dollar uh, company to existence, all right? Uh, was a strong Sunday school teacher, gave, gave millions away. Uh, his family is still operating in a lot of those type of things. So here's what I want you to get from this, all right? What you write down is what it is you want to see accomplished in your life. And it's a, it's a paragraph, all right? It does not need to be long. It doesn't need to be a long, but it, it has certain elements to it, all right? Here's mine. This is what I, this is what I have written out. It grows on an annual basis. I make adapta uh, adaptations to it. But this is, this is my statement. What I'm writing out is what I, if I could see me operating in the promised land of God, what does it look like? What do I feel like is the fulfillment of what God intends for my life? What do I want to see in my life? You can be broad with this, but I wouldn't be too broad. A, a simple statement that really captures it all. So here's mine. I am a master, and this is my declaration. This is my vision for my life. I am a master in financial and spiritual matters, sought after internationally. I bring good to others. I express the profit of that in kingdom of Jesus building ventures that make it hard to go to hell. I flow in billions. I have the favor of my Lord Jesus Christ that surrounds me to bring this to pass. Those trafficked are rescued. I'm talking about sex trafficking because that is a big part of Natalie and my uh, assignment of the Lord is to pour millions of dollars into rescuing kids uh, from sex trafficking. Those, uh, those trafficked are rescued. I have a very specific target now that I'm building uh, for a specific business that is in there, X amount in sellable revenue, right? I've targeted what it is that I want to accomplish in this particular sector, and I am healthy, I serve the poor, that's my statement, all right? doesn't take long to do it, I pull it up, I will meditate through it, I'm praying in the spirit, and those are the thoughts. I'm a master in financial and spiritual matters, sought after internationally. I bring good to others, I express the profit in the kingdom of, Je uh, of Jesus building ventures. It's a small paragraph. What does yours look like? What does that look like for you? Now, why, why is it that these 50 men wrote out this power statement of their lives and every day they would not only think it, but they would then meditate on it and they would do this part, number four. And I am knocking through this. Uh, imagine, when I hit to that part, I imagine, when I say I'm the head, not the tail, moms, what does it look like for you to be the head, not the tail as a mom? What does it look like to be as a wife, as a husband? What does that look like? Imagine yourself being that. I am praying in the spirit, and then I imagine myself do it. Those, the combination 
of imagining something and praying in the Spirit is unstoppable creation. I didn't say it. God said it in Genesis. They are of one language, and whatever they imagine, they will accomplish. I know I'm pushing you all, guys. I, I can see that clock. I'm probably more nervous about this than, than I need to be, right? I'm, all right. I will follow what you tell me, Pastor. So I'm going to calm myself down, and we're going to finish this. All right? I'm going to not be thinking about what time it is. So if you've got to leave, leave. I'm going to give everything i got here. All right? When you mix praying in the Spirit with imagining, you have unstoppable creation, is what Genesis 11 said which is why God confused the language because they were speaking the creator language at the same time they were imagining. They would sit there and imagine, we are gonna build this thing and we're gonna build it to heaven. We're gonna do it. And they imagined it. And then what happened? It would happen. They were unstoppable. So God came and took away the creator language from them. The creator language plus imagination is unstoppable creation. Write it down, put it in your notes about this, live it out every day. When I am praying in the Spirit and I allow my mind to go in and imagine myself. So I'm going to just tell you, I'm going to just share with you what I imagine that helps cultivate this big idea for me. I have in my mind a massive jet that has one of our company's logo down the side of it. I know what the interior looks like. I know what the exterior looks like. I am sitting in that seat. I know what it feels like to do it. I'm excited for the very first day. I say, hey, bring me X drink. I know exactly what that drink is going to be. Natalie is right there. We've got people in there with us. I know exactly what it feels like because I've already been there. I've already been there. Instead, what did I used to imagine? And that guy's going to say this, and then he's going to say, and then I'm going to this. And guess what? You know what happened most of the time? That poor joker would walk in, and I'm ready to bite his head off. He ain't done nothing. I created it. Instead, now what am I putting my mind to? Imagine myself. I am the head and not the tail. There are children right now because our company has sent so much money to rescue children. There are children today that were being raped in brothels that right now are in orphanages and they're safe because I dared to imagine it. Guys, I get it, man. Some of this prosperity, I get some of the stuff that's happened. I get some of the abuse that people have done in teaching people how to prosper and live life or, or, or it, it's all about the, the houses and the cars and the, all of that stuff. Well, that's weak sauce. If, that, if that's as low as your vision is, then live right there. Um, you know what I'm about? I'm about people like you who set yourself to start changing and rescuing these children that are being murdered in abortion. That's the imagination that we need to be doing. If all you're able to do right now is imagine your bills being paid, Okay, that's a good start. That's where I started. But that's not where I want you to start imagining. What does it look like for you to be the head, not the tail? What does it look like for you financially to be the head and not the tail? What does it look like in your relationships for you to be the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath? What does it look like for you being a lender instead of a borrower? It has to start in your thoughts. And you're sitting there and you're imagining. I, rem I remember doing this. I had so much in debt when I first started learning this. It was like a million and a half or something like that. 
And I sat there and I imagined what it would feel like when I wrote the last check. Natalie and I sent the last money and paid that debt off. I imagined it. And I let myself feel the feelings of it. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you that it's done in Jesus' name. Some of you just, you just got faith. One of you just, somebody just got faith to be debt free. But it starts right here in your thinking. So close your eyes and I want you to pick one of those blessings. I don't care which one of the Shirley's you go with. I want you to pick one, one that resounded to you. And right there as you're praying in the spirit, I want you to mentally begin to think it. And then I want you to begin to imagine it. What does a life look like for, for Sam over here? God's got, God's tagging me about you right now. You guys just keep doing your thing. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to Sam for a little bit, right? What does it look like for Sam to become the creator God made him to be? That this blessing that you're already walking in your business, young man, you scratch the surface. I want you to see yourself right now as a multi, multi-millionaire business owner that are writing tithe checks the size of what you're making right now in a year. And I want you to feel it. And I want you to imagine it right now. There's not another day of your destiny to give away to the devil, not another day. Because you're too important to the kingdom of God. You're too valuable to God's purposes. There's too much for you to do, young man. And I'm speaking to every one of you. There's not a day of your destiny that you need to give to fear anymore. There's not another day of you creating worry and fear ever again in your life. You're too powerful. You sold yourself so short of what God has for you. You've swallowed lies and you've swallowed deception and you've swallowed religion. And it's all been used to keep you from getting out there and cranking the kingdom of God in a way that no one, else, no one could imagine. But what I'm, selling, what I'm telling you and teaching you tonight is not a bunch of hurrah stuff. I'm not here to cheer you on. I'm here to change your life. And the reason why is there are people on the other end of this. These companies that we've created, in those companies, people are being born again and they're being spirit-filled and their eternities are being changed because we have companies that are manifesting out of, out of the zero point that didn't exist before. And in those companies that we have, we have built, we have energized, people's lives and destinies are being changed. And children that I have never met, droves of children that were being raped and molested and sold for sex are now in orphanages safe and being taught. Because I energized something. I created something. This is not about just, this is not just about us paying our bills, people. This is not just about that. It's so much bigger than that. It's God's heart for this world that is dying and going to hell and they have no idea what's going on. The Bible says that creation groans waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. I'm not in this to pay your bills. And God wants that. God wants that. He loves you so much. And I'm just getting emotional about this because I'm sensing God's heart for you. And your struggle for success and your struggle for, thank you, 
your struggle for identity and your struggle for all of that. And what you haven't realized is that you've just been creating every day of your life this creation of your mind and your thoughts and these patterns that are going on. God has sent me to interrupt that and to change those thoughts. So right now as you're sitting there, imagine yourself. You, you young people that are in college, imagine you leading businesses. Imagine yourself being at the top of your class. Imagine yourself succeeding. And as you do that, you are energizing that reality. Now listen to me. I've had people that I've taught this. I've taught them. They did it a time or two. Started to do it. Well, Bill, I didn't see anything change. I'm going to tell you, what I saw in my life was about 90 days when I began to see it change. Stuff started happening. Little cracks, crevices begin to happen. Why is that? If you put a corn seed in the ground, you're going to walk out there the next day and get you some butter? Good luck with that. God said, as long as time remains, there is seed time and there is harvest. Imagination is critical in this. All right, so when I've done with this, I've done this process, then I come out. I'm not speaking in tongues here. I speak in faith, Deuteronomy 28. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and never beneath. I don't start with that. The first thing I've got to do is confident expectation. Why? Hebrews 11.1, 1, what does it say? On the Amplified, please put it up. This is very important when I go and, and, and move into faith. You guys got it? All right, thank you. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed. Everybody say title deed. All right, title deed of the things that we what? So faith is simply going to give you the title deed to what you have been confidently expecting. So the blessing of the Lord, when meditated on, creates confident expectation. Faith then gives you the title deed to it. I don't, this is where most people are missing it, especially in the word of faith movement. We have been taught faith, we've been taught faith, we've been taught faith, and people jumping up and down and celebrating and shouting to the pastor, preaching on faith, still broke as they've been six years ago. Why? Because their mind has grasped it, but they have missed a very key building block. God, the, the, the reality is faith will simply give you the title deed to what you have been confidently expecting. But now, here's the thing. When God spoke into the, the, the light he'd created, the zero point, that's when things popped, right? So it's important that we engage in faith here. I am the head, not the tail. I am above only. I am never beneath. I lend to many nations and I never borrow. My family is blessed. My, my children are blessed. My, they're strong and mighty upon the earth. My businesses are empowered to prosper. My businesses are the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath. The Lord pours abundance on me in the right times and my businesses multiply and prosper. All of those components of that are all built in there. I speak that in faith. It takes me two, three minutes. Here's the thing. Thoughts have frequency, energy, right? How is it that you're hearing me right now? What's happening? I'm speaking, and what's happening? What's, how do they measure voice or sound? In what? Frequency and hertz, right? I just put frequency. I just put energy out there. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and never beneath. And faith, everybody, spoken in faith. 
is a high energy container that pours energy into that and brings creation. So I've gone through that loop. You see the sequence? I wrap up, I'm done. It takes me, like I said, 15, 20 minutes. And then the last thing I do, in the name of Jesus, angels, you go out, north, south, east, and west. You bring in the right relationships, the right resources for me to walk in the inheritance that I'm supposed to. Hebrews chapter one, Hebrews chapter one says, now what are angels? They are ministering spirits sent to minister for those, for, not to, for those that are heirs of salvation. Remember my board angels around me? The Lord told me this, Bill, if you will speak my word over your life, your family, and your business, it activates angels and you have authority over them. So when I began to speak what God said, his words, he told me, Bill, my words are as powerful in your mouth as they are in mine. When you speak God's word, you are bringing energy to it. And the angels begin to go and begin to influence and all of that. And if you need a book on angels, highly recommend you find Bishop Oyedipo's book on angels to further that revelation. <sighs> all right. Is that enough? Okay. All right. So we have a creation cycle, right? You got the sequence down. Step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, and six. Whole lot in that. All right, we're gonna give a few minutes. Anybody have a question or multiple questions for clarification on that? Or did I just do a, did I do a knockout great job in explaining that? <laughs> that I was not doing it for that, by the way. I, I'm, <laughs> thank you all, thank you. So thank you for that, by the way. That's not why I asked that question. I really did. I was expecting there to be about 30 questions. But if you do, raise your hand, and they have mics, and they'll get around to you to ask them a question. And please make it on that subject and not about something else because I, I, this is all I want to talk about tonight, okay? Bill, if I could just make a statement. There's scientific evidence that there are only two things that break those thought processes you were talking about, disuse and the Holy Spirit. Disuse and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and, uh, and it's actually energy. <laughs> Disuse and energy can break those synapses in the brain, but I choose to attach the Holy Spirit to that Absolutely. energy. Awesome. Amazing statement. Powerful statement. Powerful statement. All right? Any questions? All right, so here's the last thing I'm going to do. I'm going to, um, yes, sir. There's one in the back there. Guys, there's no dumb questions, by the way, okay? Is there kind of like a time frame? Like, for me, would I, which obviously not for me, but for anybody, would you think, like, where you want to be with using this in a year, 20 years, 40 years? Because yeah. um, sometimes, like, for me, I'm working a job that I really don't want to be in that field. Mm -hmm. yeah. But God brought me and my wife down here from Columbus, Ohio, and I think okay. a big part of the reason is to be a part of this church. Yeah. Um, but the field I want to be in, um, you know, it's literally not even close to what I want, mm -hmm. you know, as my life going on. But I also, you know, I'm thankful that God gave me this job yeah. for it. So, yeah. So, so here's the thing. You begin tonight. You begin tonight and tomorrow morning and every morning hereafter to begin to create around you this. Notice that what, 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 what I'm putting in here are what God said. So surely blessing, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. If you would have asked me when I was, how old are you? 27, almost okay. 28. 
If you'd have asked me when I was 27 years old if I would be doing running multiple companies, overseeing the, the billion in plus in assets, all the pieces that we have, all the moving components that we have right now, there's no way. I wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't have ever thought at that point I would be doing what I'm doing. Right? The Bible is very clear that he goes layer on layer, precept upon precept. There's a piece at a time that begins to happen. What you stay focused on is what his word says about you, which is surely blessing, I will bless you, right? And you praying in the spirit, you begin to water God's will in your life. I'm on an airplane flying back from Nashville. It was about 13, 14 years ago, and the vision for Accelerated Wealth came to me. Never thought I'd be doing it. And he brought me that vision. But I was focused on, I am the head, not the tail. I'm above and uh, never beneath. I don't know all the details. But what I do know is I'm blessed. And what I do know is, is I'm energizing that reality. All the inners and all of those pieces, the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not want. He is shepherding me. He is filling me with wisdom. And he will birth in you a vision at a point in time that says, now it's time to do X. And you will launch that. But that... That the fact in reality you know that what you're doing is not it is a beautiful thing. Isn't that much better than you being caught up in a career that 20, 30 years from now you realize, oh my gosh, that was a waste of time, right? So the fact that as a young person you are seeking the Lord, you're here on a Sunday night instead of watching Sunday night football to learn and get a download from the Lord that's gonna change your life forever, that heart is now what God's gonna keep bringing direction to you over time. Guys, so... I'm not trying to under, I'm not trying to oversimplify this, but you need to stay focused on the majors here, right? Stay focused on you energizing God's will, your thoughts energizing that. And what'll happen over time is God will direct your path. He will lead you in paths, start things. I just, this a couple weeks ago, God had spoke to me about calling a certain group of people and I, I started making those phone calls and it has literally opened up a whole nother level for our businesses that I didn't even know existed, right? And so, and he tagged me with it. He's like, here, Bill, do this. Because why? He's my partner in creation, right? The answer to a million and one questions is be led by the Holy Spirit. That leading is much better when the ship is moving in the right direction, all right? So be attentive to it. Don't, just, just you had asked, what, what does it look like 10 years or 20 years from now? I'm doing the same process that I was 20 years ago. I now have much deeper revelation about why I'm doing it and other components, but the core of it hasn't changed. I'm energizing God's plan all around me. You keep doing that, and he'll start bringing the details for you. But I commend your heart in that, your heart to want God's will, and when you want God's will, he's going to bring it to pass. All right, did I answer that question okay? All right, anybody else? Question, yeah, over here. He'll bring, you the, he'll bring you the mic just so I can hear you. In what ways can we pass this on to our children? That's great. Yeah. So how, how old are they, your children? Well, I have adult children, okay. but I also adopted three children who are ages 10, 13, and 16. All right, great point. So what I started doing at a very young age is I do this process with, with my kids. When I started doing it is I started doing it when I took them to school. Our school thing has, has changed up around, uh, up around, so now I'm doing it when I talk about these type of events or talk about these type of things. If Sam stood up here in front of you right now, uh, he, would, he could go through Deuteronomy 28 forwards and backwards because I've done it repetitively with him. 
They know what it means. They're still learning some of the, what does it mean or what, how, what, what does it actually do for their life? But they are, I have equipped them by doing it, this activity in front of them. So at a, dinner, at a dinner table one night, just walk through. Say, guys, all right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pull out Deuteronomy 28 as we're eating and we're gonna walk through it. What does it mean to be the head and not the tail? What does it mean to be above only and never beneath? To be lenders and never borrowers? And then you walk them through, say, hey, every morning, this is what I do. And I do this because I am creating. So you begin to bring these ideas out to them. Do not, these, these kids sitting over here, right? They're grasping this stuff. They're getting it. It's still going into their subconscious. Don't worry about it if they're not, you know, they're bouncing all over the place and doing all kinds of things and probably throwing stuff at each other at the table. Doesn't matter. Keep teaching. Bring it into their subconscious. Bring it in front of them. The best thing that you can do is doing it every morning for yourself. Do it every morning, it will become a part of your life, and then you'll begin to teach other people, right? Listen, please hear me when I say this. I have taught this, and I have taught this, and I have taught this. I find that the ones that do it and become disciplined in it, it is not long. It is, in most cases, less than a year that they start seeing the impact of this. The ones that try it a couple of times, and, oh, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, remember, you are doing this. You're just doing it the wrong way. You're creating what you don't want to have. Change the cycle. Get going on. Any other questions? Did I answer that question effectively for you? Okay, thank you. We're right up here, and I think I, I saw another hand back there. Okay, yeah, right. You have the mic. <clears throat> um, I feel like this is a dumb question, but um, I just want to ask it anyway, just so that I can do this process. So my first thing is. I was always under the impression, this might be a religion thing, that the gift of speaking in tongues is not something that everyone has, mm -hmm. and that it's a gift that God, um, through the Spirit, mm -hmm. is given to certain people or yeah. whatnot. So if you do not have the gift of speaking in tongues, how do you pray in the Spirit? Yeah, that's a good point. That's, that is a question that is often brought up, and so here's the answer to it. The answer of it is, is the people who believe that have confused two things. One, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the gift of tongues that is to be given in, in, when you're in a, in a place like this and if someone was to speak in tongues, then the other person was to translate, right? So that's the gift of tongues and that happens like the gift of miracles. It's as the Spirit wills. That's in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 14 says that when I speak in an unknown tongue, I am speaking to God and not to man. See the difference? So in one setting, I'm speaking in tongue that someone translates, and the purpose is for men. The, the second one is the gift of my prayer language, right? Which Paul says that I wish that all, all of you prayed in tongues. It was his desire that everybody prayed in tongues. So there's, a, there's a, a lack of revelation as it relates to the gift of tongues versus the prayer language of tongues, okay? Because... Think about it, if, God, if praying in tongues brings God's perfect will into your life, it's what we read in, in Romans 8, right? That as I pray in tongues, that's what brings in God's will. Would it be fair that God gave that to one person and not to another? It, it wouldn't be, right? It would not be, that wouldn't be fair. But what is, what is, is, is that some people, Pastor Marion being one of them, operates in gifts of healing and miracles like no one else I've ever seen. It's powerful, the gift that he operates in right? So I intentionally, I got a real sweaty in my first service, 
And I went back into his closet and back over here, and I put on one of his shirts because I said, I am wanting that anointing. And I told him, I told him flat out, you aren't getting this back. It's going home with me, all right? Okay, I'm downloading it. I'm downloading it, right? So it's simple that it's the gift of tongues that was meant to be with interpretation in a public setting, 1 Corinthians 12 versus 1 Corinthians 14, that says, when I pray in tongues, my understanding is unfruitful, but it's my spirit that prays. So one is speaking to people to be heard. The other one is praying to God. Two separate things. Okay, go ahead. Follow up. Did I say that again? I'm sorry. Can we get the mic back over here? I want everybody to hear the questions. So these are great questions. Thank you all. And so you asked earlier, testing. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so you asked earlier um, if anybody knew what their prayer language was. I haven't ever heard that question. If being proposed, is that like um, like? I don't know how much how much trying to say this. How do you know what your prayer language is? I guess oh, okay, is great, great question. So here's what happens: is when you receive the Holy Spirit. All right, so. Just like uh, um, there's baptism in water, right? So that, if you've been baptized in water, you accepted the Lord, you're placed into, okay? You're immersed. That's what baptism means, is the, is the Greek word baptizio, which means immersion, okay? So that's where baptism comes from. I've been immersed in water, okay? In, in the Holy Spirit, you hear the expression of baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that, the Bible says that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's when you receive the ability of, to, of praying in this creator's language, okay? So when that takes place, Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 <clears throat> says that my understanding is unfruitful, but my spirit is who's praying. My spirit has this ability of praying this language out. Now, once again, like I said earlier, we have all these levels of crazy things we believe, but we stop at the point that God could baptize my spirit and give me the ability of praying in the creator's language. So it is a faith thing. It is a movement of faith to say that God has given me, God will baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And the byproduct of that is that I have this prayer language. Acts chapter one, it says, and then when they received the Holy Spirit, they all began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. And all through the New Testament, whenever someone heard that you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in the Creator's language. And they said, bring it on. They said, hands were laid on them, and they began to pray in the Spirit. Okay? It's like any gift received by faith. You receive any gift, you, any gift from God when you pray, you pray in faith, and through grace you receive it. Just like when you prayed and had faith for salvation. Okay, then you pray and have faith to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit that immerses you in his spirit. And what happens is, like Pastor Bill was talking about, the two different kinds of tongues. One is one of the nine gifts of the spirit, and it's tongues, your, your prayer language publicly, and when it's interpreted, it becomes a prophecy, right? But Jude says your private tongue, which is your prayer tongue, edifies you and builds you up. Mm-hmm. And then like Bill said in Romans 8, it, it, it's like speaking with the tongues of angels, it communicates with God. It intercedes for you. Intercession is made up of three parts. Number one, intersect. Tongues, when you pray heavenly language, 
It can meet you at intersections in your life and bring God's presence, creative force there for you. Number two, it intercepts the fiery darts of the enemy. Number three, it intervenes, intervention, it intervenes on your behalf. So when Bill was praying for his brother, it intervened. God wanted to intervene on his brother's behalf and his friend and save him. He deals with Bill because he could operate. Remember, I talked about the fourth dimension. First dimension is your human, right, your body. Second dimension is uh, being born again. Third dimension, speaking in the Holy Spirit. Oh, gosh, that's not it. But anyway, fourth dimension is when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're operating in that unseen realm like where you can intercede and intervene on their behalf, right? So that, that, does that help some? Yeah. For, uh, that help so some? I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 14.4. And, and it starts uh, just above that. It says, it says in verse 3, one who prophesies speaks to people for edification and spiritual growth and encouragement to uphold and advise them concerning the matters of God and speaks words of consolation to compassionately comfort them. Verse four, one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. This is what pastor was talking about. When I pray in tongues, I am edifying myself. I am pouring this living water on everything around me. So one is the gift that is for public. It's prophesying. It's to bring edification to everybody. The other one, he clears, he says, but one who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. So there's two distinct gifts. And what happened was, is there's a whole group theologically called cessationalists. And what it simply means is that they believe that there was a season for tongues, but that ceased. That time ceased. That, that, that time stopped. And now we're in the time where we don't need the Holy Spirit anymore because we have the Bible. There is no backup for that theology, right? It's, it's just confusion. And once again, I believe very intentionally from keeping creators such as you in partnering in a way with the Holy Spirit that is so powerful. And we're going to end this time. We're going to end this time when we're done with the questions. For if you want to be receive your prayer language, we are going to be here. And it's, it's simple. It is easy. It's not over the top stuff. If you have fought with it or warred or tried or any of that stuff, that all ends tonight. We're going to lay hands on you, pray for you, and you're going to receive it. Uh, another question back over here. Did that, did that answer your question okay? Well, and then the other part of her question about how do I know it's my tongue, my prayer language, right? So when it begins to edify you, so when you by faith, like Bill said, out of your spirit, right? You're baptized, out of your spirit, it comes. But you still have to speak it. Yeah. As you speak it, your spirit has peace and confirms it. Okay, and there's a confirmation. You might talk like an idiot the first little 20 seconds. Yeah. And bam, when it yeah. kicks, it's like, how did you know you were born again? Could anyone tell you how it felt to be born again? You, they couldn't explain it, right? They try. Well, that's the same way with your prayer language because it's another gift from God. When you get that gift, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with and you begin to do it by faith, there's a confirmation in your spirit because it's yours that God gave you before time existed. And you know it. It's like knowing him. Man, I know, well, you know his spirit. You know him. What? Because you're one with him. It's the same way. That is Dalton's prayer language or Stephanie's prayer language. We're, here you go. I'm, I'm going to stop. It's good. Really good question. Yeah. And it is true. Like I, I was six years old when I received my prayer language. 
And, and I came up front, and I was, like I said, I was in a, 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 a Pentecostal church, and so it was pretty standard, and I came up front, and I didn't really want to get shook all over the place, you know, and like, like, like that, for any of you guys that ever got, you know, hands laid on you like that, and they'd like try to almost wear your head off, shaking you and stuff like that, and for some of you on the front row, that might have happened, I don't know, but just kidding, um, and uh, <laughs> I love you, Pastor Mark. And, uh, and so what happened was, is I was up front and I just was so soaked in the Holy Spirit. And I was just there crying, just, just felt his love for me and all of that. And my pastor, uh, uh, her name was, uh, uh, was Patsy, actually, it was uh, Sister Pat. And Sister Pat comes and he puts her arm, her, her arm around me and says, what, what is it that you're asking the Lord for? And I told her, I said, I, I want to I receive my prayer language. And she said, all right. And she very peacefully right there just led me in a prayer. The Bible says that if you ask, the Lord for a fish, will he give you a serpent? And if you ask for bread, will he give you a rock? Of course not. He said, how much more, you being natural, that's, you're not going to do that. How much more will I give the Holy Spirit to whoever asks? So it's as simple and coming up, like if you came up to your, like your child there, come up to you and said, mom, can you give me a sandwich? You're not going to give him a rock, right? So there's your confidence right there. When you ask for the Holy Spirit, He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. Where sometimes the confusion comes in is when that prayer language comes and these words begin to just come to you, right? They're syllables. And they sound weird. Well, why? Just like her speaking French sounded real foreign to you all. You knew it was French, and it was like, whoa, la, la, that sounds pretty, you know? But it was weird, right? It's foreign, right? It's different. It's the same with the heavenly language because you grew up, your subconscious was programmed with what language? English. Our language is barbaric. Think of, but it's all we know, right? It's, it is. What do I mean by barbaric? It's so limited. It has so many places it can't go. We don't know it though. That's all we've ever known. Languages like Greek are able to even be, are better and able to express into other areas. None of them compare with the heavenly language. And when I get in that presence of the Lord, and my spirit's praying my brain. That's why when I'm praying in tongues, my brain can be creating stuff. So let my spirit pray to God and pouring his will onto all these aspects of my life. And my brain, I'm going, surely, blessing, I will bless you. And multiply and I will multiply you. I, I could do all kinds of things. I can sit and sit with clients and listen to their whole, they're telling me all their financial stuff and what they need to fix in their companies and all of that. And under my breath, I'm praying in the spirit because I'm tapping into creation. I'm tapping into creation, right? It's a beautiful thing. I'm excited for you to experience that. And anybody else here who's going to do that? I, I think I saw another hand back there, Michael. Oh, right here. Okay. Um, so for number four, imagine, I know some people can naturally create really vivid and clear mental pictures, but other people have a problem with it. Is the clarity of the, of the mental image tied to the power in it? And is that something you can practice and develop over time or are you just born with it? That was a great setup question. I really appreciate that because that is, there's, there's, a lot, there's truth to that. What I mean by that is I know that this man knows the answer to that times a thousand, right? But he's, he's bringing a point of clarification that needs to be heard. How many of you struggle with imagination, like sitting and really imagining things? I'm one. I, I mean, that, that for me, for whatever reason, is something I have really had to learn and develop. So the answer is the vividness of the imagination is not. It is the fact that you begin to imagine yourself there. And as you, here's, here's what will help you to develop. D 
just, that was the second part of that question, is that you can develop it, absolutely. Because why? Do you remember as a young child, do you remember how vivid your imagination was? Do you remember that? Hey, young guys, I mean, and, and it not just young guys, I, I, I only grew up with young men, so all that's all I knew. Man, a, a stick that we found out, we found out there in the forest, that bad boy was a rifle that we could shoot 300 yards, man, shoot the bad guy, or turns immediately into a sword, and we were fighting and all that stuff, and then it's a horse, and we're riding the horse, and you know what I'm talking about. You remember how vivid that was? That die, that begins to die off with people, and it's something you can be, you need to recultivate it. So it starts with just exercising that. Imagine yourself as the head and not the tail in your career right now. Whatever that career is, imagine that you are the head, which means you're the one they come to. And you allow yourself to begin to see it. And there's a lot of good material out there on developing that. Do you know of one right off the top of your head? Just that. So I, I always go to Think and Grow Rich has several traps, has that yeah. whole part on imagination. Absolutely. So that's my go-to. Yeah. yeah. And that is a great book for you to read to help you to stretch that out. Okay. I'm so thankful you guys are sticking with this. Uh, yeah, any, any other questions? Are we about done? Anybody else? I am not trying to, I want to make sure everybody got this and I think we do. You guys are such an amazing church. I'm so grateful to be here.